0: Ephesians 4:1 through6, Therefore I word, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one spirit. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over of all, in all, and living through all. We are studying for a period of time from the book of Ephesians We're talking about new life. And we spoke over the last couple of weeks from Ephesians chapter 3. Jesus Christ of both Jews and Gentiles. Now, we may not be able to identify with that. But one of the things we can identify as we look around the room, we can see people from different backgrounds. We, uh, I I would like to say we see people in this crowd from many nations. That's not exactly true. I asked my class this morning, why is it that we fear foreigners? And I had to make it clear that uh, the issues of illegal immigration versus legal immigration. I did not say this to the class, and I don't mean to embarrass him, but I remember the shout of joy that we had and the applause that we had for Deepak when he got his naturalization. Here's somebody in our midst who went, I, I, I suspect that Deepak could teach a lot of us what the Constitution says and what the amendments are about because he had to learn all of that as a foreigner coming into the country. And, and we need to be careful about being fearful of people who are different from us. That contradicts our Christian testimony. And what I want to talk with you about this morning is live like you mean it. Live like you mean it. Paul said by inspiration of God, walk worthy in the vocation to which you've been called whatever position that is, whatever ministry that is, because of your calling from God and what He has done in your life, walk worthy of that calling. And I thought, well, maybe people have trouble understanding what that means. And so I just changed it. This is what it really means. Live like you mean it. Live like you mean the faith that you confess. Live like you've really been saved demonstrate your salvation by the way you live and deal with each other and with others even outside of our congregation. I don't know if I can give the details of this the way I would like to, but I'm hesitant to read it, so let me do the best I can. I I enjoyed reading a story from Chuck Swindoll. I've always enjoyed Charles Swindoll, his reading and his preaching on the radio Charles Swindoll said that he had the opportunity of but he was the most famous coach uh, of the Dallas Cowboys, maybe one of the most famous coaches in NFL history, and he was a Christian, and he lived a testimony of a Christian life one of the things that Swindall said was one of the blessings of being a part of Tom Landry's memorial service is he got to hear from the players who played under Tom Landry. And every one of them talked about the depth of his character. Uh, one of them, Randy White, who you guys have no idea who Randy, how many of you know who Randy White was? Yeah, look at that. Um, Randy White said about him, he did not just talk the talk. He walked the walk as well as the talk. He lived out his faith with a demonstration of Christian integrity. Now, our problem with that is that it's a church... Somebody said church would be great if it wasn't for the people. That may have been a pastor who said that. Uh, I did hear a pastor say one time, I love the ministry, it's the people that I hate. That's a pretty poor attitude. But the trouble is, if you're looking for the perfect church, and you're a guest here this morning... You have come to a church that... And if it was a perfect church, you should not join because you're not perfect either. So we have trouble getting along. One of the things that's happened over the past 18, 15, 18 months is I have seen incredible unity and love in our congregation. Praise God! But one of the problems with this, and we talked about this in my Sunday school class, and I don't remember who it Yeah, I do. Delane said it. You don't appreciate freedom unless you've been without it. Who was it? Corey said it. Thank you. Give credit where credit's due. I ought to make him say it because I think I just blew it, but I don't think I said it exactly right. You don't appreciate your freedom unless you've lost it, or unless you've not been free. And I think it's easy to forget how it was when we didn't have unity. You need to think about that. We don't want to go there again. Amen? We want to maintain the unity of God in our congregation. And so that's what the sermon is about this morning. But if you looked at the verses, I'm going to do this thing from the bottom up. For one thing, I'm backwards anyway. And for another thing, Alan, I think they must have thought differently in Paul's day. Because he gives the way to maintain unity, and then he gives the why. I think we're different from that, Gail. I remember during the World Mission Seminar for a long time we had a course and well, we still do in World Mission Seminar, about becoming debt-free. And we had kids, we had somebody come year after year after year talk about how to become, you know how terrible debt was and how to become debt-free, and nobody cared. And then Kelly, one day we had a pastor come talking about how he had deceived his wife about their debts and paying the bills until Corey could go no further and he had to admit to his wife that they were about to have to go bankrupt. If they didn't get counsel, if they didn't get help, if something didn't happen... As a pastor, he and his family were going to go bankrupt. And in tears, he talked about the steps they took to do that. Young missionary family, I saw them doing it and my heart about stopped. He pulled out their credit cards and cut them up while the man was still speaking. And we had more people come for counseling, debt counseling, in that seminar than we ever had before or since. Why is that? Because, Rodney, it does no good to tell somebody how until you tell them why. And so that's, Mark, that's why I'm going to do this thing upside down. I'm going to start at the verses at the bottom of the chapter of of verses 4, 5, and 6, and then I'm going to verses... One through three. So if you want to know why in the world I'm doing it backwards, that's why. It's more important to know why we need to realize our motivation. How do you do that? We're talking about unity in the church and treating each other well and living out, living a a life, walking worthy of our calling. How do you do that? What is the why? Well, recognize the things that we have in common. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. Now understand, there was in the church at Ephesus a mixture of, of people of many nations, and the two main classifications were Jews and non-Jews. And there was a struggle for the Jews to get along with the non-Jews. You ought to be able to understand that. The United States of America is more divided in this day than at any day in its history, or at least since the Civil War. And that's wrong. We have more in common than we have indifference. The same thing is true in the congregation. It's easy for a congregation to become divided, whether it's over music, whether it's over doctrine, whether it's over person. Most of the time, it's just preferences. I like it this way, you like it that way. You don't like the way my hair looks, and in that we are united. I don't like it either. I liked it when I had some. But it's preferences or it's differences that we can do nothing about. And what we need to focus on are the things that we have in common. He says one body. Understand that he's talking about the church body he's talking about the fellowship now there are different terms that are used for church there's a fellowship of believers we members of the body together and that means that refers to Charles every local church a body of believers a body of Christ some people call it an assembly and that is exactly what the Greek word for church means. Some people call it a fellowship, and we do fellowship together. We have things in common. A popular term this day in these days is faith community. I have a little problem with that because when people say that, some people mean That it is just a group of believers that comes together. And a church is a lot more than that. A church always requires a committed membership. In a Baptist church, you can be a visitor for all your life and never be a member. In churches today, they don't have membership roles. If you're not a Baptist, you just go and you say, that's my church. And they say, yeah, you're, you're one of us. We are a community of faith. No, sir. I need you to understand that you are not a part of the church. We welcome you as a guest for as long as you care to be one. But if you're going to be a part of the work of the Lord, you need to be a member of this church. Be a member of the body of Christ. He also talks about one spirit. There's one body and one spirit. One and the same spirit. Don doesn't have a different spirit than I got. Any more than he has different blood than runs through my veins. Deepak does not have a different Holy Spirit living in him as a believer. Because he was Nepalese. It's the same blood in his veins as in mine, and it's the same Spirit of God that moved into his heart the day he got saved. Just because I'm older than you doesn't mean that you have a different Spirit than I do. We all share this together. We have in common the indwelling of the same Spirit of God, one Spirit. One hope, for there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to the one glorious hope. That is the hope of the resurrection of the dead, and the glorious hope is the hope of the return of Christ. I think three times this past week, somebody said something in a conversation with me about the Lord coming again. I think they're taking the things that are going on around us as a sign of His coming. Amen. And every single time, Tony, that I've had that said, I said, today would be fine with me. Amen. Amen. Today would be fine. I don't have to preach the rest of this sermon if the Lord comes. Now, I I love my life. I'm not in a hurry to die and go to heaven. But if the Lord should come, that would be glorious. And that is our glorious hope. You have that hope and you have that hope. You have it. You have it. We all share the same hope of the resurrection of the dead and the glorious return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One spirit, one hope, one Lord. There is one Lord. And that is Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. Is He yours? I was remembering a time that somebody said to me, I'm going to tell your boss. I thought I remembered that, Joyce, this week and laughed. And I thought, I wish I'd said to them, Do you even know Him? Are you on speaking terms with my boss? Go ahead and tell him, because I'm pretty sure he's on my side, because I'm on his. One Lord. But understand, there are a lot of people who have been saved, but they have never yet allowed Jesus Christ to be the manager the Lord, the overseer, the governor, the king, the one who sits on the throne of their life. Let's make that real practical. When you make decisions, do you let Him in on that decision? Or you just ask Him, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. Make it work out right. Do you pray about it? Is He the first one That you make a decision about. I guarantee you that if more people in our church were doing that. More of these chairs would be full this morning. Well I didn't get an amen to that. Is he Lord? Do you allow him to make the decisions in your life? I sure hope you're on speaking terms with my boss. I am. Our motivation. Remember that we're talking about the why. The things that we have in common. And that's why we get along. One faith. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We are gathered here today. I'm sorry. Princess, yes, Catherine, Princess Bride went through my mind. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. If you don't know what that's from, just ask Catherine. She started laughing as soon as I said it. We are gathered here today because we agree on what we believe. That one faith is not talking about our faith in God, it's talking about the faith, Gail, once delivered to the saints. It's talking about what we believe, our system of doctrine. Uh, I hope that nobody says to me, leaving the building, like a lady said to one pastor, she said, Pastor, I sure do love your preaching. Because you don't preach no doctrine, nor nothing. What you believe is important. You see, what people see on the outside flows from the inside. What's going on in your heart and your soul works its way out and our external actions come from what's on the inside, who's there and what we believe about the God we serve. And your doctrine is important on the day that God calls me out of here, whether it's through the upper taker or the undertaker or the outer taker or <laughs> Don't you call a pastor who does not believe Baptist doctrine. Listen to me, I'm a Baptist not because I was raised one, because, but because I believe the Bible. And I believe that the Baptist church churches are more biblical than any other group. And if I didn't believe that, I would be a part of that other group. What you believe is important. And we have a commonality of belief. Now, that only goes so far. I mean, Roger, every one of us has a little bit of difference in what we believe. But we agree on the essentials. Somebody said, Jonathan, if if every one of us or or if two everything, one of them's redundant. You have to think about that for a minute. We don't agree on every jot and tittle of our doctrine uh, some of you believe a little bit differently than I do but on the basics on the fundamentals of the faith we believe that Baptist doctrine is Bible doctrine and we have that in common we also have one baptism there's one Lord one tism that baptism baptism always immersion and and We're talking in that place. You may not think so, but we're talking about water immersion. You see, if a Jew wanted to join the church, he had to be baptized. If a Gentile wanted to join the church, he had to be baptized. In fact, the truth is the only way to get into a Baptist church is through the baptistry. Now, you may have a different picture in your mind of what I mean when I say that. But that's the only way you get into the membership of a Baptist church. Now, if you've been baptized by another Baptist church somewhere, we can receive you because you came in to membership through the tree. But if you have never been baptized after salvation, the only way you can get into a Baptist church is being by, by being immersed in water. Just as Jesus was. Just as the apostles were. Just as I was and most of you. One baptism. And it's not different because somebody else did it. It is immersion by water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One God. One God and that one God is the Father of all. That's the creation of. He is the creator of everything living, everything that exists. Well, I'm running out of time. i got to move. That's the why. Here's the what. This is how we treat one another. Our manners, how we treat each other. He says, therefore I, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling... For you have been called by God, always be humble, gentle, patient with each other, make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now, I think what I'm going to say is evident in that verse. I, I hope I can always say that my My sermon outline comes from the verse. It's not something imposed on the Scripture. It's something taken from the Scripture. Always be humble. How do we treat each other? With humility. That word humility carries the picture of the slave who kneels down before his master. It is a lowliness of mind. It is not thinking less of yourself so much as it is thinking of yourself less often. That's one of the things that's wrong with our world today. It's me, myself, and I. Me, me, me. You just don't care about me. Me, me, me. We have a problem with ego. Ego means I. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less less often. An humble person thinks of God first, and then others, and themselves last. Humility, then gentleness. Always be humble and gentle. I, I think that probably King James says meek. It's a kindness. It's a gentleness. In how you deal with others, the there there are people. I remember a time way back when I first came to Faith Baptist Church. There was someone in the church that when the staff, we were in a staff meeting one day, and somebody came walking by the window. they had knocked on the door. We couldn't hear it because we were in a staff meeting, and they walked by the door and somebody jumped up and said, "Oh no, it's," and called the person's name. You want to be that kind of person that people dread seeing you co- you coming? You're always harsh. Oh, listen. You want to know whether somebody's gentle or not, take them to a restaurant where the service is not good. I, I heard a rumble of laughter out there. It's okay. You can laugh, even if it's a guilty laugh. How do you treat the waiter, or the waitress? Some of us need to wait on tables occasionally to find out how we would like to be treated. Instead of how we occasionally treat somebody else. Gentleness. Being gentle. Listen. Church members sometimes fight to get their way. And when you insist, when we insist on getting our way, we destroy the unity of the church. We have great motivation to get along and we ought to live it out. We ought to live like we mean it. Patience. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Uh, I I said, if you want to know whether somebody's gentle or not, watch them in a restaurant when the service is not good. I think the greatest test of our long-suffering, that patience means long-suffering, and the greatest test of our patience May take place behind the steering wheel of a car in heavy traffic. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> Preacher, you're meddling now. Patience. How do we treat other people? And then tolerance. Actually, patience has to do with the circumstances around us. You see, when traffic is bad, whether you believe it or not, it's not really the everybody else's fault around you. What, it's somebody's fault, but they are already 30 miles down the road. The confusion, they, whatever they did to create the traffic jam, they're out of and gone. And it's just the circumstances. Tolerance means putting up with other people. Patience is enduring all kinds of circumstances. Tolerance is enduring all kinds of people. And there's some real crazies out there. And some of you are them. And sometimes I'm the worst. Brenda put her hand over her mouth. Keep from saying amen. <laughs> Tolerance means making allowances for one another's habits, <laughs> mannerisms, culture, language, and handicaps. How tolerant are we of the differences among us i will remind you that almost two years ago now you can count my anniversary with the church as pastor however you want i'll tell you how i'm counting it the day i started as interim pastor was day one for me because i didn't i never treated you like this was a temporary position from the very beginning and i made a commitment to you on that day that i will love whiteheads, I will love the towheads, and I would even love the knotheads. And I've tried to live up to that promise. How tolerant are we of each other? If we are not tolerant, patience with circumstances, and tolerant with people, we will never have unity in our church. And God is not pleased with a church that is divided. Love. Be tolerant because of your love. That love is the agape love. It is the identifying mark of the followers of the Lord. Unconditional and enduring love. Agape love for each other. And without love, there will be no love unity in the church then finally he talks about a zeal for unity even with all those other things if we don't care mark if we're not doing it on purpose it's not going to happen think about that if we are not seeking unity we probably won't bother with all the things above that We have to have a passion for God, a passion for His church, and a passion for unity within the church. May we recognize how much we have in common and love each other and treat each other the way God would have us to treat each other. Listen. We need to live like we mean it. That means we need to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. And we do it Monday through Sunday or Sunday through Saturday, however you want to look at the week. Not just in here on Sunday morning. Live worthy. Of the name by which you've been called. We know why. And Paul told us by the Spirit of God, he told us how. I've enjoyed the laughter this morning. That means a lot. Because laughter in our hearts or laughter in our halls is an indication of love in our hearts. I've enjoyed that. But I have to say this because this is a sermon. And this is the time that we give the opportunity to do something about the sermon. Is there something that you need to confess to God? Is there? Is there something you need to commit to God? I want you to stand and bow your heads. Everybody's standing, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, your book, your Bible is so practical sometimes it is so convicting. And Lord, I, I pray that people wouldn't just say, I enjoyed that sermon. But they would say, I needed that sermon. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts. That we would recognize what we have in common as believers. And as members of Faith Baptist Church. Lord, I pray that you would Give us a passion for unity and for growth in this church. Lord, give us souls. Lord, if there's somebody here right now who needs to commit their life to You, if there's somebody here now who needs to rededicate their life to You, to confess sin and commit to following You, if there's somebody here now Who needs to commit to baptism or membership in the church. Move on their hearts. And Lord, may you be the Lord of their life. And may they follow you in that conviction, confession, and commitment right now. In Jesus' name, amen.